The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Uh, Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. John, the 15th chapter, we'll make our way in our Bibles there. Some of you have hard copies, others of you have electronic copies, but I hope that you have a copy. You need God's Word in front of you. Let me ask you some questions as you're turning there in your Bibles. I'm going to ask you just a few questions that very likely will not be asked from many pulpits today. Uh, Who did you disciple this week? And no one answered these out loud. Who did you disciple this week? What did you do for the kingdom of God? How did you obey the Lord this week? Was, was your salvation made plain in the fruits of your life? Was that evident to those around you? Uh, did your actions show that you care about what God cares about? 2 Corinthians uh, 3.18 tells us that that we reflect the glory of God and that you and I are being transformed into the image of Christ. And I just want to tell you that I'm glad to be on this Christ transformation into His image journey with you all. I appreciate you. I love you. And and this is an authentic journey that we're on together. Uh, The moment that it stops being an authentic journey for me is the day I quit. I mean, I, I, I I, I cannot, I will not come up here and fake something. I can't. I won't. And uh, that's just not who I am, and I'm quite frankly scared what the Lord would do if I were to do that. So I'm glad to be on this authentic journey with you all. Uh, John chapter 15, if you're still turning there. We've been preaching about discipleship. That's what the Lord has drawn us to preach about. We first preached about the cost of discipleship. Jesus said, no one putting his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus also said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And what I hope has been made clear through that sermon was that salvation is free, but discipleship costs. There is much confusion about that in our world today, especially in America, but I feel that it is just so incredibly clear in God's Word. Count the cost, Jesus said. Count the cost whether or not you're going to put your hand to the plow of of being His disciple and whether or not you're going to look back. Because if you're going to look back, don't even do it. Count the cost, Jesus says. Salvation is free, but discipleship costs now i just think that perhaps if jesus were to walk into a church today he may very well perhaps say something like if you come into church and fellowship and entertainment is it is the only thing that you're after i just think that perhaps he would just tell people to leave Uh, now it's not that we don't have fellowship and enjoy entertainment i mean no one does a potluck as good as us but But that's not the main thing. The main thing is a life that's devoted to Jesus. The main thing is to be able to to know in our hearts that we're willing to pay the price of discipleship. Whatever it takes to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, we're willing to pay that kind of price. price. And my prayer, church, my sincere prayer before the Lord is that 
should the Lord not return in the next, say, 200 years, that 200 years from now, after me and you and the rest of us are all long gone, that this church, that New Covenant Community Church, would still be a place that's willing to pay the price of discipleship, that's a place that's willing to pay that cost, that it would never be this Joel Osteen, politically correct kind of church that's too afraid to tell people that they need to repent from their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for this church. Amen? The second thing that we preached about regarding discipleship is its importance. The importance of discipleship. Jesus says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Everyone say work. But is a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. I want to be blessed in what I do. I want this church to be blessed and what it does, and the work of the ministry that God has put before all of us. Let's make no mistake that, yes, this, that there's many things that we enjoy as being Christians, the fellowship, and even the potlucks. I unashamedly say that we do those things and enjoy them to the fullest. But, but let's never forget that the task at hand, the great commission that we have been, been tasked to do, it is about people's eternal souls. Let's never forget sight of that, that, that. That's what the importance of discipleship is, is, is where people spend forever. That's a, that's a large thing. That's a weighty thing. But in hopes of, of doing the best I know how with the Holy Spirit's leading, of, of preaching the entirety of this Word and not just some pieces of it, I'd like to preach now regarding discipleship, the joy of discipleship. The joy of discipleship. Now, joy can be really hard to come by nowadays. Uh, from pandemics to riots and race wars and unbridled violence. I mean, we're, we're starting to make Westerns look kind of tame. I mean, just brawls in the street. I mean, whatever. You know, it's just crazy. It's, just, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. You watch a Western, it's like, this is boring compared to what's on the news right now. It, it's, it's amazing what's going on. Joy can be hard to come by. But you know what I've decided, and I hope that you have too, church, is I'm not going to stop. Uh, even if joy is hard to come by, I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to continue marching on. I'm going to, going to continue fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm going to, going to continue preaching. A, a well-trained horse that is well-versed in, in working cattle uh, can be told to stand, and that horse will stand there. If it's a well-trained horse, it will stand there indefinitely. I mean, until it's commanded to do something else, if it's a well-trained horse. Uh, similarly, a well-trained soldier if they are instructed to march east, and they start marching east, and there's no other instruction, a good soldier, he, he or she will continue marching east until they are instructed to do otherwise. And it just so happens that what makes good, well-trained horses and, and well-trained soldiers also makes a well-trained Christian to not stop, to continue on, to do what it is that God has called us to do. So, if we have decided to follow Jesus' church, and that's our, the decision has already been made, the question on the table this morning is, how do we find joy in the midst of all this mess? So if you're ready for some joy, look to your neighbor and say, Hallelujah. John chapter 15, look to verse 9. It says, As the Father loved me, Jesus says, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. 
For all things I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. Now look back up this way, church. I hope that you caught the promise that God made to you and me in the very beginning of that portion of text that we just read. If you didn't catch it, look back to verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide. Everyone say that word abide. Ready, set, go. Abide. Abide in my love. The Greek word, samorifomoiai. I don't even know how to pronounce that, but I'll just throw it out there. And that's, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read people who are. And that word describes to stay. To live, to remain, to dwell, to reside, to, to stay in that place. So Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Stay in my love. Abide, dwell, reside, remain in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So the promise that we see here, church, is that if we keep Jesus' commandments and His commands... We will abide in His love. This, this joy of being reminded of who He is and what He's done and what He will do, who Jesus is to us and how much He loves us, that love that we will abide in, we're promised if we will do what it is that He commands us. Now, just to be very clear, to make sure that no one would perceive this as being a prosperity gospel, this is irrespective, church, of trouble. We have trouble all around us. There have been Christians from years... I mean, We know what trouble looks like. A Corey Tinboom, whose story is in the book titled The Hiding Place. You remember her story. She was the lady who suffered the Nazi concentration camps, and, and she had trouble all around her. But she still, if, when you read her story, you'll, it'll become plain to you that she still abided in God's love. Why? Because even while in that prison, she was doing what it was that God had called her to do. She was still obeying the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's hard maybe for us to compare our trials and struggles in this current culture in which we find ourselves to be similar to that of Corey Ten Boom, but, but we, we've got trouble around us. But the trouble that we have around us is irrespective of the fact that we can, still have, we can still abide in God's love when we obey Him. We can still abide in this great joy that we have as believers when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ and we trust Him with our entire lives. Uh, just this past week, uh, mine and Abby's mailbox got blown up. Not even with a baseball bat. Like it had like a blast mark. Like somebody had blown the thing up. And with everything else going on in the world, I went out to put something in the mailbox, seeing that it was all over and 100 pieces all over the road. And, 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 I, and I called Abby to let her know what happened. I'm driving over here to the church and my mind started playing tricks on me like it probably would for most of you. Of like, with everything going on, I'm a pastor. Why did somebody do this? Is it somebody that knows me? What's happening? Is it even safe to leave my girls at home now? And, and then I thought, you know what? Wait a second. I'm going to the church to minister to people, to prepare a sermon, and to get myself ready for Sunday to preach the gospel. I'm, I'm obeying the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you the testimony? that there was, there was a joy and a peace that entered that car as I'm driving myself over here to Johnstown. I, I believe with certainty, church, that, that I was abiding in Jesus' love, reminded that I'm doing what it is that He had called me to do. I was also reminded that if an intruder or something bad did happen, Abby's just as probably better than I am with a firearm to take care of whatever the threat was anyway. So <laughs> take care of him, baby. So, <laughs> But this raises church, all kidding aside, it, 
This does raise the question, what are Jesus' commands then to obey Jesus? What exactly does that mean? Well, there are many, many things that Jesus commands us, which is why you absolutely need to be in the Word of God. Church on Sunday morning and being exposed to Scripture, only that amount, it is not enough. You are struggling if this is the only Scripture that you get throughout the week. I guarantee it. So be in God's Word and know His commands. But pertaining to discipleship, Here's just a few examples of what our Lord Jesus Christ commands, what God commands us. Leviticus 19.18, it says, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear a grudge against any of the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Matthew 28.19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Mark 16.15, And he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Imagine that, every creature. Luke 8, verse 39. Return to your own house and tell what the great things that God has done for you. So, let's use some biblical interpretation here as we wade these waters. If joy, which would be to abide in God's love, if it emanates from obedience, which would be commands and keeping the commands that Christ gives us, and obedience, at least in part, includes discipleship, I believe it's no stretch at all to make the biblical interpretation, and this is our first point today, that joy emanates from discipleship. Joy emanates from discipleship. It's been said before, quote, joy is not a requirement of Christian discipleship. It's a consequence, end of quote. And I know that many of you have the testimony as I do, church, that this is true. I had an opportunity to disciple some folks just this past week. And can I just tell you, when I'm, when I'm loving them and pouring my life into them and investing in them and asking them about their spiritual walk, my mind was not thinking about all the craziness that's going on in our world today. My, my mind was not thinking about statues being torn down and, and all these buildings being destroyed and everything else that's crazy just this race war and political upheaval, all these things that are happening. My mind wasn't thinking about that because my mind was kingdom-minded as I'm I'm discipling. And there was a joy. It was almost as if I got, when I finished discipling these people, as I got done, it's like, man, it was like almost like a break. It was like a break from all the other things that are going on in the world. There was great joy that came out of that discipleship. Look to verse 11. Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. Isn't that good news, church? I mean, do do you have full joy this morning? The reason that many people don't have joy is because they don't know Jesus. And they're not repentant of their sins. They have not trusted Him. They have not picked up their cross to follow Jesus. And and that's the reason that many people don't have joy is because they're doomed for destruction. I mean, that's just plain and simple. But, But the reason that many Christians don't have joy is because they don't take hold of the promise of obeying Jesus and His commands of discipleship and all the other commands that Jesus gives, and therefore their life is lacking the full joy that resides in Christ that that Jesus says is supposed to reside in you, church. So, if you want some full joy, look to your neighbor and say yes. Now look, if you will, to verse 12. Jesus says, This is My commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. I'm just going to go ahead and give you the next point right now, because it at first probably will make no sense, and, and hopefully it will as we continue on. Next point. Joy emanates from sacrificial service. Joy emanates from sacrificial 
service. When Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, it makes you ask the question, well, how exactly did Jesus love us? And I could say lots of cutesy things right now like Jesus loved us to death or Jesus loved us this much. I mean, there's all these things that we see go around on Facebook about how much Jesus loves us. And that's true. That's certainly true. But, but thinking theologically about this, think about how Jesus actually loves us in some of the dimensions that, I mean, we'll never understand the full capacity of, but, but just hoping to get a little bit better of a biblical glimpse of how much He loves us. I think you could at least, church, you could break it up into a lot of categories, but I think you could at least break it up into two. One being that Jesus loves us in eternity, and the second being that Jesus loves us in time. Uh, Jesus loves us in eternity, church. Amen. Somebody say amen. Yes. Jesus loves us in eternity. That we would go through this walk and, and we would sin against Him and He would redeem us. He would redeem us with His blood on a cross and be raised to life, church. And then someday... Someday, church, we're going to walk through those gates and He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. I mean, that, that, that's an amazing thing. That, and for the rest of eternity, Jesus is, we're going to be able to worship Him and He'll care for our every need and wipe away our every tear. I mean, that's, that's loving us in eternity. Amen? But Jesus also loves us in time, church. Uh, let me ask you something. If... If Jesus were to walk in, in those doors right now, right now, I mean, let's say Jesus Christ of Nazareth walks in these doors right now. And, uh, and, and he walks up and he says, uh, he says, Jack, I, I, want, to, I want to wash your feet. And, and I, think, I think I know how you love the Lord and I think I know how you respond. He'd probably respond like many of us would. Tears would start falling from our face and we'd say, oh, Jesus. Let, let me wash your feet. Let me wash your feet. And then what if Jesus were to say, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. And then, and then you would let Jesus wash your feet with tears streaming down your face and, and He would wash your feet. And, and let me ask you something. Both in time and eternity, were those things in the ways that Jesus loves us and the ways that He loved us and still loves us, were those things sacrificial? My goodness, yes. But I mean, for, for our eternity that He would suffer on a cross, bleed and die naked, this, the Savior of the world being humiliated at such, that was an incredibly sacrificial thing. For Him to stoop down on His knees, having taken a towel and wrapped it around His waist to, to wash the, the disciples' dirty feet, that was a very sacrificial thing. That was, it was very sacrificial in the way that, that He loved us. And, and I compare that to a way that the way that I sacrifice and, and the way that we naturally just will sacrifice. I mean, we won't even be inconvenienced for other Christians in the church sometimes. I mean, it, we just have such a wonderful model in Jesus. But what I'm convinced of Jesus is that He did not do these acts of sacrificial service both in time and eternity in a begrudging kind of way. And, and here's the answer to all this. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race of endurance that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy, everyone shout joy, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was for joy that Jesus got down on His knees and served sacrificially. It was for joy that He got on the cross and allowed Himself to be whipped and beaten and crucified. It was for joy that Jesus did those things. 
There was joy attached to it. So church, let me make this real clear. As as we think about our sacrificial service to each other and the rest of the world that doesn't know Jesus, that will go to hell without Him, that needs Jesus, they need the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. They need the Gospel. Let me make this very clear. When we go out to eat and we tip, we should tip very well, sacrificially well. Like three times the the meal amount well. Why? For joy. For joy. Why should you love your spouse when they're acting like a doofus? (laughs) For joy. Do it for joy. Serve sacrificially for joy. There's there's joy associated with serving sacrificially. Uh, Why is it that you should forgive your pastor when he messes up which he already has and will? For joy. Why should this pastor make sure that his congregation knows that he loves them very, very much? I should do it for joy. Why should we absolutely be praying for someone to disciple in our own lives? For our own joy. For the joy that is set before us of the great things that we'll have. That's why Jesus did the great acts of sacrificial service that He did. I'm reminded of Acts chapter 2. The church had just started. And, and the church was they were sharing each other's burdens financially whatever needs there were everything was taken care of they were just like this big family unit going together following jesus it kind of make, reminds me of new covenant community church in a lot of ways which makes me really excited and and there's this one line in acts 2 where it says they continued on in gladness and simplicity of heart doesn't that sound nice everyone say yes if that sounds really nice in this world today they continue on with gladness and simplicity of heart why because they were sacrificially serving one another there was, a, there was an immediate joy associated with, with their obedience, with sacrificially serving one another, with discipleship. Sacrificially serving someone else. Discipleship. Showing them Jesus. Sharing Jesus, even though it would make us nervous. Opening up our home, even though if their values and beliefs are different. Sacrificially serving those around us. Joy emanates from discipleship. Joy emanates from sacrificial service. Now, if you would, please look to verse 14. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Everyone say the word remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. The third and last point that we'll have this morning is joy emanates from steadfastness. Joy emanates from steadfastness. Uh, Jesus says to go and bear fruit, but go and bear fruit that remains, that continues on that marches on. Fruit that remains. Don't just give up bearing fruit when the going gets tough. You're to bear fruit that remains, church. Yes, even in this culture in which we find ourselves in. I'm so glad that Jesus was bearing fruit that would remain when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed and said, Father, if there's any other way to achieve this salvation, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But, but Jesus was bearing fruit that remained. There was a joy. It was the joy that was set before Him that He was continuing on. He was bearing fruit that would remain to achieve that joy that was set before Him. He didn't quit when the going got tough, church. And I'll tell you this, I don't think we should either. Someone say amen. We should not quit just because the going has got tough spiritually. Raise your hand if you think it's gotten a little weird out there. Yeah, culture's a little crazy. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. I, I don't even know what to make sense of it anymore. But, but we're to go and we're to 
We're to bear fruit that should remain. We're to continue on. We're to find joy in our steadfastness. Now here's the great news, church. Notice just from the verses that we read in that last portion of text. Notice the things that are to keep us encouraged and bearing fruit that remains. Jesus says that you're His friend. You're His friend. A friend of God. I thought that was only supposed to be Father Abraham in that nice cutesy little song that was a friend of God. No, you're His friend. If you are redeemed and washed of the blood of Jesus Christ, you're His friend. You're His friend, Joe. You're His friend, Wally. Dorothy, you're His friend. We are friends of God. I hope that impacts your emotions. I hope that impacts every area of your heart right now. You're His friend. I can start bearing some fruit that remains because the Savior of the world is my friend. Someone say amen. Not only are you His friend, but you're chosen. You are chosen. Do you believe that, Eldon? You're a chosen man of God. Joshua, you are a chosen man of God. You're chosen, church. How special that He chose you. How special that is. Not only are you chosen, but you're appointed. Uh, Travis and Joseph, you guys up there, you guys, are, you guys are appointed. You're appointed Christians. You're appointed people. You can bear fruit that remains because you're an appointed person. You're not just some willy-nilly God just throws all up there like some big snow glows in the sea where everything lands. No, you're appointed. You're appointed for this time. You're appointed for this purpose. You're appointed to what it is that God has called you to do. Young man that's leading your family. Retiree that has grandchildren. You're appointed to this time. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You can produce fruit that remains and you will have joy because of it because of all those things that God has promised us. Joy emanates from steadfastness. If you believe it, say amen. There was this father that... Um, and Brian, you can come and just begin to minister with music if you would. Uh, there was a father who was out in the ocean on vacation with his family and he, uh, he was out with his two children, his daughter who was the oldest, and they were both young children, but his daughter was the oldest, and his little boy, they were out on the ocean, and, and very quickly... They're just they're very close proximity together, but they're holding on to these little pull floaties. Both of his children could swim, but very quickly this riptide begins to pull all three of them out to the ocean. And, and all three of them being separated, but the boy, the young boy being separated the most, the man, he realizes his children don't understand what's happening, but the dad recognizes that this could be fatal for all of them. And he looks to his daughter, who he knew could swim just a little bit better than his son, and he says, Honey, I need to go get your brother. You know how Daddy has told you to swim, right? And even, I'm going to be right back. I'm going to be back to get you, but until I get back, I just want you to... You know how I've taught you in the pool at home. You lay on your back, you keep your face above water, and you just float and float and float, and you, just, you continue on until, until I come back, and I will come back and get you. She says, Okay, Daddy. The dad swims over almost can't even make it to the boy. He grabs the boy and he looks back to where he thinks the daughter is and, and he doesn't see her. And, and this man's energy is expiring inside of his body. So he does, he expends his last bit of energy. He almost doesn't even make it, but he pulls himself and his son back to the shoreline. And he starts gasping for breath and he's saying, someone help, get a boat, the rescue team, somebody, lifeguards. They get a boat and they begin searching for this girl. One hour goes by, two hours go by, three hours go by, four hours go by, and, and this man, his emotions are just spent. True story, as best I know, this is a true story. His emotions are just spent. 
he, he thinks his daughter is drowned. And he's out on the boat with these rescue workers. There's boats all around there. At this point, he thinks they're just looking for a body. And, and the boat that the dad was in, they come up on his daughter. And from a distance, he thought he was going to go up to a corpse. But when they get up to it, they realize that his daughter's on her back and her face is above the water and she's holding on to her little pool floaty and she's singing. And he pulls her into the boat and she, he says, Honey, I'm, I'm so glad you're okay. I mean, could you imagine as a parent, my goodness. And he says, Honey, I, I'm so glad you're okay and I'm sorry it took so long, but, but I'm so glad you're okay. Come here, honey. And she says, Well, Dad, I, just, I was just doing what you told me to do and I knew you'd come back. I was just doing what you told me to do and I knew that you would be coming back for me. So I was just, I was just staying here doing what it is that you've called me to do. Church, can I just tell you, my prayer is that should I die or should the Lord Jesus Christ return, that I could say, oh Jesus, I was just staying here doing what you called me to do. I was just doing what it is that you called me to do. I was just, I was just preaching. I was just doing what it was. I was just standing for truth and I was loving my neighbor and I was just doing what it was that you called me to do. And I got scared at times, but, but I knew that you'd come back for me. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, God, I just want to do what it was that you've called me to do. I want to continue on, God, until, until you come for me, God. Father, would you make our hearts united in this effort of, of standing strong, steadfastly, allowing joy to emanate from these places where we where we obey You and trust You and we, we pick up our cross to follow You, Jesus. It's, it's not easy in the world that we're in right now, but, but I'm not going to stop, Jesus. We're not going to stop. This church will not stop serving You. We will not stop praising You. We will not stop preaching this Gospel. We don't care what comes, Jesus, as long as You're leading us and as long as this Gospel still saves people, we're still going to preach. We're still going to love our neighbors. We're still going to disciple those around us, sharing your great love with them. In Jesus' name, and all the church says, Amen. Let's sing and worship together.